Sunday blessings to you all. This is the Lord's Day, the day of resurrection that commences a new week and offers a new opportunity to be drawn by grace more deeply into the paschal mystery of Jesus Christ. Through the gifts of the Holy Spirit, may each of us graciously respond to Jesus' invitation to live more deeply his passion, death, and glorious resurrection and ascension, and be drawn into loving communion with God our Father. You are listening to Encountering Jesus with the Church Fathers, a podcast pondering patristic commentary and insight on the sacred scriptures, the sacred liturgy, and living as a disciple of Jesus Christ. I am your host, Father Mark, and I welcome you to this podcast on the 29th Sunday in Ordinary Time. Guiding us this Sunday in opening the Word of God is St. Augustine of Hippo, one of the great Latin fathers of the Church. Among his massive number of theological works, Letter 130, which he penned to the widow Proba, highlights St. Augustine's theology of prayer. Some may recognize this letter since it is the second reading in the Liturgy of the Hours Office of Readings during the 29th week in Ordinary Time. And now, an excerpt from St. Augustine of Hippo's Letter 130, also known as his Letter to Proba. Is this the whole of it? And are these all the things by which the essence of the happy life is constituted? Or does truth teach that there is something else that is to be preferred to all of these? For that sufficiency and health, either one's own or that of friends, must be cast aside as long as they are temporal for the acquisition of eternal life. Although the body may be thought healthy, the soul should in no way be thought healthy if it does not prefer eternal to temporal things. After all, one does not profitably live in time except by earning the merit by which he may live in eternity. The other things, then, that are usefully and properly desired, must undoubtedly be referred to that one life by which one lives for God and from God. In him we, of course, love ourselves if we love God, and by the other commandment, we truly, in a way, love our neighbor as ourselves if we bring them, to the extent we can, to a similar love of God. We, therefore, 
love God on account of himself and love ourselves and our neighbors on account of him. And when we live in that way, we should not suppose that we are already situated in the happy life itself, as if there were nothing more to pray for. For how do we already live happily when there is still lacking the one thing on account of which we are living a good life? Why then are we distracted by many things and ask what we should pray for, fearing that we might not pray as we ought? Why do we not rather say with the psalm, One thing I have asked of the Lord, this I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, that I may contemplate the delight of the Lord and visit his temple. For there all the days do not become all by coming and going, nor is the beginning of one the end of another. All are at once without end, where life itself, to which those days belong, has no end. The true life himself taught us to pray for the sake of acquiring this happy life, not in many words, as if we are heard to the extent we are more long-winded when we pray to him who knows, as the Lord says, what we need before we ask him. For this reason, it might seem strange that although he forbade the use of many words, he who knows what we need before we ask him exhorted us to pray in such a way that he said, It is necessary to pray always and not give up. And he proposed the example of a certain widow who, desiring to achieve vindication from her enemy, persuaded by her entreaties, the just judge to hear her, not because he was moved by justice or mercy, but because he was overcome by her pestering. He wanted to teach us from this how much more certain it is that the merciful and just Lord God hears us when we pray without ceasing. Since she could not be ignored even by an unjust and wicked judge because of her constant entreaties. He wanted to teach us how gladly and lovingly God fulfills the desires of those who he knows have pardoned the sins of others. If that widow who wanted to be vindicated got what she wanted. That man, too, who had a friend arrive from a journey and did not have anything to offer him, wanted another friend to give him three loaves of bread, by which, perhaps, the Trinity in one substance was symbolized. With his most insistent and 
bothersome requests. He awakened the friend, who was already asleep, along with his servants, so that he could give him as much as he wanted. More, in order to avoid the bother, than out of any thought of friendship. He taught this so that we might understand that if a man is forced to give who, though he is asleep, is awakened against his will by the one asking him, he who cannot sleep and wakes us when we are sleeping will give us what we ask much more lovingly. On this point, there is also that passage, Ask, and you shall receive. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it will be opened for you. For everyone who asks receives, and one who seeks finds, and to one who knocks it will be opened. Or what man is there among you who when his child asks for bread, will hand him a stone. Or if he asks for a fish, will hand him a serpent. Or if he asks for an egg, will hand him a scorpion. If then you, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give good gifts to those who ask him? Since, therefore, in accord with those three things which the Apostle recommends, faith is signified by the fish, either on account of the water of baptism or because it is unharmed amid the waters of this world, its contrary is that serpent, which urged by its most poisonous deceit that God not be believed in. Hope is signified by the egg, because the chick is not yet living, but will be, and it is not already seen, but hoped for. For hope that is seen is not hope. And its contrary, the scorpion, because one who hopes for eternal life forgets those things which are behind and stretches out to what is ahead. It is harmful for such a one to look back. But one must avoid a scorpion in that part where it has in the back its venom and stinger. Love is signified by the bread. For love is the greatest of these. And among foods, the benefit of bread, of course, surpasses the rest. Its contrary is a stone, because hard hearts reject love. Or these things may signify something else more suitably but he who knows how to give good gifts to his children compels us to ask, to seek, and to knock.
Why he who knows what we need before we ask him can trouble the mind unless we understand that the Lord our God does not want our will, which he cannot fail to know, to become known to him, but our desire by which we can receive what he prepares to give to be exercised in prayers. For what he prepares to give is very great, but we are very small and narrow for receiving it. Therefore it is said to us, Make your heart bigger, so that you do not bear that yoke with unbelievers. That which is indeed very great, which the eye has not seen, because it is not a color, and the ear has not heard, because it is not a sound, nor has it ascended into the heart of a human being, because the heart of a human being ought to ascend to it. We shall receive with a greater capacity to the extent that we believe it with more fidelity and hope for it more firmly and love it more ardently. We therefore always pray with a continuous desire filled with faith, hope, and love. But at certain hours and moments, we also pray to God in words so that by those signs of things we may admonish ourselves, realize how much we have advanced in this desire and arouse ourselves more intensely to increase it. For a more worthy result ensues when a more fervent love has preceded. And for this reason, the apostle said, pray without ceasing. What else does that mean but desire without ceasing the happy life? which is none but eternal life, and desire it from him who alone can give it. Let us always desire this, and always pray for this from the Lord God. But at certain hours, by the words of prayer, we call the mind back to the task of praying from other cares and concerns which, in a sense, cool down this desire. In that way, we remind ourselves to aim at that which we desire. Otherwise, our desire that had begun to cool might become completely cold and be entirely extinguished if it were not set afire more frequently. Hence, the words of the same apostle, Let your requests be made known before God, should not be interpreted in the sense that they become known to God, who, of course, had known them before they existed, 
but that they might become known to us before God through our patience, not before human beings through our boasting, or perhaps that they might also become known to the angels. For the angels stand before God in order to offer them to God in some way, to consult him about them, and to convey us in a clear or hidden manner what they know we should carry out at God's command, as before God they know that we should. For an angel said to the man, And now, while you and Sarah were praying, I presented your prayer in the sight of the glory of God. Since this is so, it is not wrong or useless also to pray for a long time when one is free, that is, when it does not interfere with other duties involving good and necessary actions, though even in them one should always pray, as I said, with that desire. For praying for a longer time does not mean, as some suppose, praying with many words. Much talking is one thing. A lasting love is another. For Scripture says, even of the Lord himself, that he spent the night in prayer and that he prayed at great length. In doing this, what else did he do but offer us an example insofar as he suitably offered prayers in time and, as eternal, heard them along with his Father. The brothers in Egypt are said to say frequent prayers, but very brief ones that are tossed off as if in a rush, so that a vigilant and keen intention, which is very necessary for one who prays, may not fade away and grow dull over longer periods. And in this way, they show that just as this intention should not grow dull if it cannot last long, so it should not be quickly broken off if it does not last. Let many words, after all, be kept far from our prayer, but let our petitions not lack persistence if the intention remains fervent. For to speak much in praying is to do something necessary with superfluous words. But to petition him, much to whom we pray, is to knock with a long and pious stirring of the heart. For this task is very often carried out more with sighs than words more with weeping 
than with speaking. But he places our tears in his sight, and our sighing is not hidden from him who created all things by his word and does not seek human words. St. Augustine of Hippo, pray for us. Let us pray. Almighty, ever-living God, grant that we may always conform our will to yours and serve your majesty in sincerity of heart. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. Amen. The Lord be with you. May Almighty God bless you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Go and announce the Gospel of the Lord. <laughs>